0: Welcome to the show everyone. My name is Emily and I'm a waitress at La Bella Italia who just got tipped 5% on a 10 top so I could not give a fuck about this hot guy that Misty is trying to give her number to. And
1: I'm Paige and I'm just on my fucking smoke break right now and you're listening to Tuesdays are for Twilight. How's it going Paige? How's your day? Guess what I just gorged myself on? Lasagna?
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. How was it?
1: Look, I'm not gonna say that it um, exceeded my expectations, but I think I've almost eaten half of it and I made it like two days ago.
0: You've outdone yourself this time.
1: It was really good. The last one I made, because I don't know what you guys think about lasagna, but my favorite part is the ricotta cheese. That is, I love the mozzarella, I love the ricotta. That's the part that I enjoy the most. So, I always try to do that part the best. And last time I think I just overdid it. I made it almost too rich. So it was like every piece, it was almost like a chore to eat. It was really hard to get through. So I toned it back a little this time and it came out great. It was extra saucy, which I'm actually really loving. So.
0: I love that for you. I was just telling Paige before we got on air that I made a new recipe tonight and it was fucking delicious. Let me know if you want it. I'll send you the link. listeners. It was pasta with broccoli and Italian sausage and olive oil and crushed red pepper and garlic, and it was fucking good.
1: Anything with garlic, I'm pro.
0: It, yeah. I saw this meme today that was, like, a person stirring, it was like a witch stirring a pot in the middle, and then the two people on the sides, they had the same caption, but it was like, my roommate saying, this smells so good, and then the person in the middle was just, um, like, stirring onion and garlic.
1: Yeah, luckily I um, I lucked out with the roommate situation because Millie loves onion and garlic, I would say, more than I do. And I I am renowned. People call me the onion slut. That's just what I am. I love onions. It's They're so good. So just having a roommate who s- stands and also loves the stench, I love that.
0: <laughs> Don't say the word stench. I hate it. <laughs> Um, here's, a, here's a little offer I want to make to the listeners that are patrons. Listen up. This is for you. What would you say to attending a live video of Paige and I where I just get absolutely fucking sloshed after work?
1: <laughs> i allowed to get sloshed too.
0: Absolutely.
1: I'm pro this idea.
0: Of course you are allowed to. I really my biggest concern is me, because I'm stressed about work. But I definitely want you to imbibe as well.
1: I love that. I, I'm a pro this idea, or even we get sloshed and cook something together. That might be fun. That would be fun. Not necessarily together, but like on our on our respective computers,
0: on our in our homes. Yes, yes. Um, I always laugh when like our group of friends gets together, um, because, and I was just telling my mom this the other day, because, um, one of our friends is vegetarian, Paige is gluten-free, I'm dairy-free, and one of our other friends has been vegan, um, I don't know if she's still doing that right now, but anyways, when we're all together, it's like, what can we eat? This fucking celery? (laughs) Wine. (laughs) Literally just tequila. (laughs)
1: I mean, I like, like, bell peppers. I think that fits all of those.
0: The last time we were together, we literally had bell
1: peppers. Boom, there it
0: is. <laughs> oh, good shit. Um, so we got a question from Friend of the Pod and Listener that Paige wanted to talk about on the air. Let me pull it up. Also, I just got an email. This is exciting stuff, folks. I I pulled up my phone to try to get to this Instagram question, and I got a LinkedIn comment.
1: Oh my god, I didn't realize there was a social media aspect to LinkedIn.
0: I only have a LinkedIn because I literally had to make one for a grade for class in college.
1: (laughs) I just really don't want to make one because it feels sad to me.
0: It is a little bit. There's a lot of like there's a lot of people on there just trying to give away unsolicited advice. And it's like, Randall, I didn't ask. You're a hedge fund manager. It's I it doesn't interest me. I
1: I wanna know more about Randall.
0: <laughs> I'll talk to you about him off air. I'm just kidding. Where is this message? Oh, I'm signed into my personal account. LOL. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so the question was from Friend of the Pod Remy, and she asked, do you think if Robert Pattinson didn't vehemently disdain Twilight, they would make a Midnight Sun movie? What do you think, Paige? So, there were two
1: things that came to mind. The first one was, I don't know if they would, because I feel like all of the actors now couldn't pull off being in high school. But the second thing that I was thinking was, I did not know that Robert Pattinson was so anti-Twilight. Is that, I need the information on that. Emily is looking absolutely shocked right now. This is just one of those things I just didn't know about not being in the community. So I guess it's well known.
0: You're about to hate me because I'm about to send you so many fucking videos of him from literal press junkets promoting these movies in multiple countries Just absolutely shitting on them and talking about how fucking terrible they are. (laughs) He hates them.
1: Does he hate them in a content way or does he hate them in like, this is stupid? I can't believe that like I would act in a role like this. Like, did he, was it all of the above? I don't know.
0: It was more of a content way. Like, he hated his character. Like, he thought he was so pretentious and awful. Basically, what we think he agreed with. And also, it's Robert Pattinson. Like, he's just ridiculous. My favorite moment of him ever, I'm pretty sure it was for a Twilight interview, but it might have been for a different movie that he was promoting. But the interviewer asked him what his favorite rom-com was, and he said, chicken run. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay,
1: Robert gets an A-plus on my book.
0: For real. Also, there is this other interview that is definitely from Twilight because um the interviewer asks him who like his favorite co-star was or like who was his like best one to hang out with. And he says he like thinks about it for like a really long time and then says like something about a face mask that he wore on set. Not a person, not any not the girl he dated for a while. <laughs> wait, he wait, did he date Kristen Stewart? Yeah, they were together for a bit and then she cheated on him with um I think he was like a producer. You know that movie Sleeping Beauty that she was in or was it what's it called Sleeping Beauty or East or Beastly? Beastly Who was she Snow White? Was it Snow White and the Huntsman? It was Belle. No, no, she wasn't Belle. She was Snow White, I think.
1: Maybe I'm thinking of something else. I'm going to look it up.
0: But anyways, I'm pretty sure that's what happens. Let me Google it. I tried to type Robert Pattinson and I typed Rupert. <laughs> <laughs> Rupert Sanders, Snow White and the Huntsman. My brain now. I'm, I'm just dumb. Yeah, it's okay. You're not dumb. Um. Yeah. So she cheated on him with. Oh, I guess he was a director of that movie. Um, so I think that's why they broke up. I mean, it was, I'm sure it was contributing factor, but yes, they were together for a while.
1: Interesting. What is your take on the question? Do you think that they would make a Midnight Sun movie?
0: I, here's the thing. I think Summit or whoever owns them now, I guess Lionsgate is probably who owns them now, would absolutely 100% want to, and probably has already tried, but because they want that coin, but Again, I don't think it would work. Because they, they would have to recast. Because the first movie that they would be basically remaking, in a sense, came out 13 years ago. <laughs> like That's a whole ass middle
1: schooler ago.
0: Yeah. I think it'd be hilarious if they just made them with their characters now and, like, didn't try to make them look any younger and also let Rob act however he wanted to act. <laughs> Can you imagine? Edward unhinged literally. Um, yeah, I'll, I will definitely send you some videos of him complaining about it, though, because they are hilarious.
1: I, I'm, I'm steeped with
0: anticipation. You should be there. So funny. Fucking chicken run. Yeah. Well, this week we read chapter nine, Port Angeles. So what did you think of this chapter, page?
1: So I really liked that the scary part wasn't super long like the bulk of this chapter was more so after the fact I was pro that I thought that this chapter was a really good look into what you were talking about a couple episodes ago that I had asked why Edward was so disappointed that there was even a thought that someone would want to love him and you said he doesn't think that he deserves love from anyone I think that this chapter really encapsulates that this has a lot and a lot of that energy coming from Edward. So cool to see more about what you said. Um, there were some. There was a really interesting bit that I took a deep dive in um, for more information on it that we'll get into a little later. Ties into um, the book cover. I'm sure you can probably guess what we're going to talk about. Um, that part really, really intrigued me when I started to do research. I was like, holy shit. Super interesting. So I say, good chapter. I'm pro this chapter.
0: Nice, I like it. And I am excited to talk to you about that. I was actually going to bring it up before, sorry, there's a loud guitar before we were on air, and then I was like, man, I gotta save it. But (laughs) this is just the beginning of that shit. Just wait, bitch, strap in. You might as well rename Bella Persephone.
1: (laughs) I was just about to say, call Percy Jackson, shit is about to get Greek.
0: You know what is sad? I actually never got into the Percy Jackson thing. I thought about it when I heard that Logan Lehrman was going to be in it because he is my white boy of the century. But, yeah, it just never happened.
1: I never got into it either. I just know that it was one of those hot ones back in the day.
0: Yeah, I didn't even know it was about Greek mythology, to be honest. I I did know that. (laughs) I hear that the author, Rick rordian is that how you pronounce it i sorry if i'm butchering that but i hear that he's like a really cool guy has spoken out against um the author of harry potter's like bullshit so that's cool love that can't say the same for stephanie meyer and here we go so (laughs) the last chapter let off or left off with edward driving towards port angeles to basically catch up with bella and when he gets there it's still too sunny out for him to really like go anywhere because even though he's in his car like he'll still attract attention with how his skin reacts in the sun so he kind of parks in this random spot and he tracks down Jessica's thoughts and they're in a store like trying on dresses and once again he's rude about Jessica um because Jessica is like supposedly thinking rude thoughts about Bella and, like, wondering if she wants, or Bella wants her to look bad on Saturday so she can get with Mike. They're talking about the whole Tyler situation and how Tyler thinks he, like, has a claim to Bella for the prom. It's...
1: Yeah, it's all gross. And again, why do we have to make Jessica such a a bad character? I, I feel like there was no need for it. it. I feel like it does not add to the story. We talked about this in a previous episode, but it's just rehashing over and over again. Oh, we don't like Jessica. Oh, Jessica's bad. I'm like, what am I gaining from that? What, what is it enhancing? And I, I don't know. It's just, I don't understand the point.
0: Yeah. Me neither. And I've said this before too, but I really like the direction that they took with that in the movies. Like even this scene, like um, Anna Kendrick playing Jessica is like having so much fun and they're just like popping around, you know, being fun. So way better in the movie, I will say. Um, so Edward decides to kind of give them like some privacy because he figures like they can't get into trouble if they're just shopping. And I thought this part was interesting. This is on page 169. It's kind of, like, depressing. He's talking about how he's now craving darkness. And I just thought it was, like, kind of a sad switch on him in Twilight because you'll remember when they were at the prom and the sun was setting, he was like, ugh, the end of another day, you know? And it seemed like he doesn't want to crave the darkness, but now he, like, kind of has to because it's the only way he can be with Bella, which I think is very metaphorical.
1: I mean. I'm just going to say it. She's his midnight sun.
0: I really wanted you to say I don't care that you broke your elbow. No. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I agree with that, though. So, he's waiting, he's waiting, and then he kind of zones back in and realizes that Bella is no longer with Jessica and Angela. And... He's kind of, like, panicking already before he ever knows that she is in danger. And he's like, okay, so he starts to drive around looking for her, but he can't really go anywhere because he, like, obviously can't be seen. He goes to the bookstore that Jessica thought Bella had gone to and, like, manages to find a shady spot to, like, get out and see if she had gone in, but he can tell by her scent that she hadn't gone in. So he still has to wait because it's so sunny. And I just feel like this does a really, this scene does a really good job of like building the tension. Like I felt like my heartbeat was like raising with every like little sentence.
1: And I, it just adds to the dramatic irony of it because you as a reader know what's going on right now. You know, the fear. I I don't know if Bella knows at specifically this point that she's necessarily in danger but at this point she's lost and like you know not only she's lost right now but something bad is about to happen so not only is edward stressed out but you're also stressed out because you know what is literally about to happen
0: yeah it'd be interesting if there was someone out there who had never read twilight and like read this first for whatever reason i wonder how their perspectives on like the different characters would change It's interesting. Like, I feel like we were just talking about, like, I feel like they would naturally hate Jessica right away, which if you had just read Twilight, you wouldn't hate Jessica. I feel like it's just little things like that, you know? Yeah. If there's anybody Uh, out there listening to this podcast for some random reason, let me know. I want to talk. Okay. So, um, finally, Edward catches a sight of Bella's face and he's relieved for a second, well, in someone's mind, and he's relieved for a second until he realizes whose thoughts he's reading. So this character that we don't get the name of in Twilight, his name is Lanny. What did you think about this whole situation? This character?
1: Nothing good. I just, I felt like there was no redeeming quality at all. Just a, it was just a character that, you're just made to not like, and I mean, there's nothing to like about him. So, it's just kind of gross.
0: Yeah, I was wondering more as like a fan of true crime, like, because uh-huh. when I read it, I was like, I wonder if this is based on someone, because it felt so just like familiar in a way. You know what I mean? Of I like, did, a, like a did, Golden State Killer
1: type of vibe. Yeah, I definitely did get that vibe, but more so when Edward was describing the guy that was the most evil I did get like it's supposed to feel familiar with this guy but I more so felt like it was based off of a real person with the other guy
0: yeah that makes sense yeah I looked it up at the time when I read it and I didn't find anything like I think it's just a made-up character but just having consumed so much true crime media in my life I was like ooh, like this feels very like I don't even know like not Ted Bundy-ish, because he's, like, not really trying that hard to be friendly, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, just kind of, like, a amalgamation of, like, all these different criminals that are unfortunately famous.
1: Yeah, and a lot of those guys, their residence was on the West Coast, so it's not outlandish to think that it could be based off someone over there.
0: Right, right, exactly. So um, as we did in Twilight, I don't really feel the need... To get into like the exact thoughts of these men and kind of you know what they're plotting for Bella, um, I think we all kind of understand what's happening with it. I did want to point out though, on the bottom of page 172, Edward makes a comment. He says the minds around him, meaning the other guys that are with him, were not the cesspool that his was. They were all slightly intoxicated. Not one of them realizing how far the man they called Lanny planned to go with this. They were blindly following Lanny's lead. He'd promised them a little fun. I my note was like, that's still a cesspool. Like, no matter what they think is going on, harassment of any kind makes you a fucking asshole. Like
1: Yeah, just because you're not committing the crime itself, you not stopping someone committing the crime is um uh what's it called when you uh help, but like not yeah, sort of. You're, you're sort of like an accomplice in it. You're not. You're not admonishing it, so it kind of makes you just as bad. Like, I'm. I'm not. Imp- I'm. It doesn't make me feel any less bad for them or make me like them anymore. Like, I. I can think of you know the men in my life who I. I think that I'm close with. If they were with a group of friends and they were drunk and then one of them started harassing a girl and doing something possibly even worse, I don't think any of them would would just stand by and let that happen. Like, if you're going to stand by and let it happen, it doesn't really paint you in a good light.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. But, and not to, like, totally derail this conversation, I think more often than not, we're just, like, obviously this is a very extreme situation, so that's not really what I'm talking about. But, like, I feel like as women and sometimes our, our male friends, like, are just... Condition to ignore it and I don't really like that about society and the reason I bring this up is because a while back um friend of the pod Remy and I were out with a, a friend from high school who was male um we were just like kind of getting drinks in between a wedding um what's the ceremony and reception mm-hmm. um and his fiance was in the wedding so she obviously had to like do the pictures and stuff and so we were getting these drinks and we were downtown in in my hometown and um, we started walking to our cars and there was a guy that like said something about Remy and I because we were dressed in wedding attire so we were dressed really nice I don't even know what he said honestly like my first instinct with that kind of stuff is always just like walk faster keep your head down like don't say anything don't make eye contact and the guy that we were with like made a scene about it and it really affected me in a positive way because I don't think that I've ever had a male friend do that. Like, usually they just do what I do and ignore it and keep walking. And so I guess my point is, like, that really makes a difference when you do that because women are not used to that. So anyways, yeah. And
1: Also, I feel like uh, someone is going to listen to someone they consider a peer. I, you know, if if someone is harassing a certain person and a group of individuals who is the same as the person they're harassing starts standing up for that person, I don't think that the harasser is gonna really listen to it or take heed of that. If someone the harasser considers an equal starts to to berate them and say, you're doing the wrong thing and you need to stop that, I feel like that's gonna have way more of an impact and that's gonna hit at a
0: nerve that someone else might not hit. Yeah, definitely. That's a really good point. I guess my point is just like, you know, if you're in a position where it's okay and safe for you to stand up for people, you should do it because it makes a difference. And obviously, I know, like, that's not always possible or safe, especially for us women to do. But anyway, anyways, so as Edward is kind of witnessing this all happen and trying to get there in time to save Bella, obviously, we know that he makes it there. And she gets in his car, um but he recalls this man he ended up murdering, you know, when he was in that period of his life where he was hunting down killers and other criminals, um sort of like a vigilante justice sort of thing that Paige mentioned earlier so um basically, he rings this he rings he brings this up um to say like this was the only time that he ever, like, killed someone who never had any remorse. So that is, like, really interesting, because I think that's, like, one of the defining characteristics of... Is it a sociopath or a psychopath or one of
1: those? I think a sociopath. It's like you have no emotion or empathy
0: towards other people. Yeah, which is crazy. Um, Edward thinks about, like, giving him a more painful death, because... He says that his rule up until then had always been to just, like, do it quickly so that he eradicates the evil, but isn't, like, being as monstrous and torturous as he could be. But he says this time he thought about doing it differently. And the reason that he's thinking about all this is he's like, this is the second time that he's thinking about doing it differently because he's so enraged at this man's intentions towards Bella, who he obviously, like, his whole world surrounds. I think in this chapter, doesn't he say the only girl in the world? It's possible. I think he does. I think, like, you know, when he's debating internally with himself about, like, do I go back and kill them or do I go with her? And um, I think there's something where he says, like, I wanted to go back, but the only girl girl in the world was, or, like, needed me or something like that. hmm so it's really affected him obviously, which makes sense. Yes. I also wanted to point out um he mentions that there was two young women that were with him and they were badly injured and he carried them both to the hospital at the greatest speed he was capable of, but only one survived. I was kind of surprised by that. Like obviously I'm glad that he did that because he did save one life, but it's interesting given like how careful he always is to never like expose himself. Or whatever. I mean, I'm assuming that they weren't conscious enough to know what was happening. But in a sense, it, like, because we, you and I had a long conversation about this in Twilight, about, like, how it's still wrong to commit murder. It was wrong for him to do this, even though, you know, these people were doing horrible, awful things. I'm not saying that this cancels that out, but it does, like, add another layer of it. That he was actively trying to, like, save potential victims
1: yeah i i mean if you think about it like you said they were hurt and obviously one of them was so hurt that she didn't survive so if you think about it it would have maybe made sense to a vampire to just kill the witnesses so that nothing is saved and also well they're hurt anyways so what what am i really hurting by Killing them if they're already hurt. You know, I could see that perspective coming from some vampires. So the fact that he did choose to kill the person who was doing the wrong thing and then could have done that with the two victims, but instead chose to do kind of the surprising thing and attempt to save them, I think shows the goodness that it possibly could in that situation. That, you know, Edward is this quote unquote monster but there is something in him that there is some light in there. There is some good. He's not, he isn't just the monster that he claims that he is. There's something else going on in there that makes him set apart.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I think Edward's like main thing is like protection of the defenseless. You know what I mean? Even before he knows Bella or gives a shit about her at all. Like he hears Jessica thinking mean thoughts about her and like instinctively wants to protect her. And he says that that's, um, A result of how she is, but I actually think it's more of a a result of how he is. I mean, again, obviously I'm not excusing, you know, all the homicides he committed, but I think that's been his driving force this whole time.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that.
0: So as I said, obviously Edward saves Bella and then they're in the car together and he is like fighting with everything that he has to not go back and kill all the men that were attacking or trying to attack Bella. So he asks Bella to distract him and she talks about Tyler Crowley, which we thought was really funny, you know, in Twilight because she's like, maybe I'll hit him with my car or whatever. <laughs> um, and then there's this moment on page 178 when he's discussing how he can't kill Lanny because Bella deserves more than a killer. And it's kind of in the middle it says I was trying to be good enough for her. It was an impossible goal, but I couldn't bear the thought of giving up. What do you think of this whole like trying to deserve her thing?
1: I mean, I I like I like that he's trying to fight the instincts that he I don't even know if they would I would necess- necessarily call them instincts, but kind of what he's known is this vigilante justice sort of a thing of killing people he thinks deserves to be killed so the fact that he's trying so hard to not do that to someone who has done something very very wrong and someone could argue might deserve some sort of punishment you know the fact that he's he's saying that this selfless person deserves someone who is just as kind as them I kind of like it I'm not gonna lie I kind of I kind of like the effort
0: yeah, I like it too and I think the intentions are good. I don't know. I just always not in this situation specifically, but just in general, I feel like I kind of bristle at the whole like deserving thing just because I'm like I feel like every person person should decide for themselves what they deserve, who they deserve and obviously we're not always the best judges of that, but I'm like if Bella thinks that you are worthy of her then you are. Like that's the ultimate factor. You know what I mean? Like Again, I'm glad that he's trying to be this good person, because she does deserve that, but I don't know. Obviously, Bella doesn't get to vote on, like, if he gets to go kill this guy, but, like, you do you get what I'm saying? I
1: definitely do, and I think you're right, but I also think, as someone who's literally murdered people, that maybe he has a point that, like, maybe she should be with someone who hasn't murdered a bunch of people, and, like, I don't know if I don't think that she does, des- like, I know that he's being really, really hard on himself, like, through this whole entire book, but I kind of see the point that he's making, like, I think that I would deserve someone who hasn't killed a bunch of people, like, I I think that about myself, I mean, I don't know if Bella feels the same way about herself, but I kind of, I kind of get Edward's point, like, if you've done a bunch of crazy crimes like that, maybe you would be a little hard on yourself.
0: Yeah, you got me there. I guess I wasn't really arguing in defense of Edward. I was just arguing in defense of normal humans who haven't done this shit.
1: And you're you're 100% right in that sense for sure.
0: Yeah. I
1: think it's extenuating circumstances.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. I think my issue is like I have my own issues to work through, but I've like, and I think I've brought this up on the pod before, but people have been like, "You're too good for me," blah blah blah, and I hate that because I'm like, no, I get to decide that, not you, type of thing. So I think that's kind of why I was like. Blech about this
1: I've also been told that and I'm like that's just a you trying to be nice way of saying you don't want to date me like just just be honest like I know what I deserve and you can just tell me you you're not interested you don't need to paint a different picture in my head
0: yes it's definitely like a fuck boy thing to say it's right up there with um I hate myself for what I did to you it's like yeah me too bro (laughs) that makes two of us Yep. Um, Anyway. (laughs) Storing that one up for therapy. Mm -hmm. Whenever I can afford that. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Tuesdays (laughs) for Twilight. So, obviously, Edward ultimately decides not to go back for the men. And tells Bella that he's taking her to dinner um it's funny I forgot to mention earlier that he actually thought about inviting Alice out to dinner um and does she she says that later on right or does that in the next chapter
1: I I don't think Alice comes up at all
0: oh my bad that's in the next chapter but (laughs) I mean it's not like a spoiler but she's like yeah I saw or I missed that or something it's funny but um he's kind of like basically taking her out to dinner as like an excuse to keep himself from doing you know something bad which he admits to her later, which I appreciate, but we'll get to that. And they obviously run into Jessica and Angela and they have their little moment where um, Jessica and Angela are like really shook by how hot Edward is. And he says later, like, we can just go over this now. um, He says later that he thinks he's like not scary because he's working so hard to like act human around Bella that his scariness just turns into like hotness. (laughs)
1: Like, I think you're just hot. I think that's it.
0: Agreed. 100% agreed.
1: I mean, I see a sinewy, pale guy with a turtleneck. I mean, what can I do but swoon? I
0: hate when you say sinewy. It makes me think of, like, a drumstick. (laughs) I don't know why, but it does. And it's not appetizing.
1: Sinewy to me... I, I think of muscular, but I also think of otters for some reason. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> like sleek, but also
0: strong. Interesting. <laughs> um, I'm so dead. It kills me that <laughs> when um Edward offers to be nice, like. That, like, to join the girls for dinner, even though he knows that they've already eaten. And Jessica says, sure, like, she's down to eat a second dinner. I ride for this girl. I would 100% do the same thing. Like, a second dinner. And I feel like at that point,
1: I might assume that Edward Cullen would pay for it. I don't know. I think, I think the school knows that his family is rich. So I think I could formulate in my head, I could get a free dinner out of this. Like, oh, I wasn't, I, you know, I think I'm going to take this. I'm going to box it up and bring it home, you know, just have it later. Like you could finesse yourself a second dinner that way.
0: You could. And you know what? I'd probably eat both of them with my appetite. (laughs) I mean,
1: I, I would eat them both. I don't know if I could eat them both in one sitting, but I definitely would take the leftovers I would have them later.
0: Yeah, yeah. How funny would it be, too, because Edward knows that she's already eaten, and he's just, like, silently judging her, but he doesn't want to be an asshole. And then when she goes back into the restaurant, they're like, oh, weren't you just – and she's like, shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up.
1: I like I like that Jessica in this, this headcanon – thinks that she's getting away with it too, like, (laughs) two dinners, like, no one knows, but Edward's
0: like, I know. (laughs) (laughs) That reminds me, um, in college, our soccer team obviously had, like, a budget that was used for, um, like, our travel and our food, um, so that we didn't have to buy our own meals when we were traveling. We did, like, um, Contribute like money at the beginning of the season that helped pay for our equipment so that it balanced out eventually. But anyway So one time after a game we went to Panera Bread and don't get me wrong. I love Panera Bread. The flavors are impeccable however the portion sizes Especially for you pay although that wasn't an issue in this situation, but the portion sizes are not cutting it especially back then when I was like, my metalo- my metabolism was like running through the roof and I was fucking hungry all the fucking time. So, you know, their you pick two thing.
1: Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I never eat a Panera bread because bread.
0: Because bread. Yeah, that's fair. So they have this thing that's called like you pick two. And so you can get like a bowl of soup and a half a sandwich or like a salad, a smaller salad and a, a soup or whatever. So me and one other girl on the team were like, should we? Should we do it? We literally did you pick four. We ordered two you pick twos. And then at Panera Bread, it's kind of like at, um, what would be another place that they do that? I guess like Starbucks where they call out your order and then you walk up and grab it. And both of us, they called out two different orders. And we were like, I got that. I guess they like didn't put them together. Like we had to be like, oh, that that's weird how they divided that out. <laughs> and then we ate them, and then we got back on the bus, and I was like, you guys, me and got uh you pick fours, <laughs> and they were like, get the fuck out of here! Like everyone was so mad, but I loved it. Look,
1: sometimes you gotta finesse yourself some extra sides. That's all I'm saying.
0: You do, you do, and you know what? They should always do a you pick four. I'm just saying.
1: Yeah, I. Th- the more variation, the better.
0: The more food, the better. I swear to God, their mac and cheese is so good, but they give you, like, seven noodles. Tina
1: just opened my door. I It literally scared the crap out of me. I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> the face that Paige had just now was like, she was witnessing an exorcism. <laughs>
1: I thought I was witnessing, this, like, the end of my life. Like, I thought I was witnessing
0: someone breaking in and about to kill me. At least we'd have it on the pod for content. I would just play out the episode with like in the arms of. The I was literally about to sing with Sarah
1: McLachlan. I was lit. It was playing in my
0: head. <laughs> God, I would make a cool PowerPoint for your funeral. Oh, I love that. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, <laughs> so Angela ends up being the. Um, cock blog bummer and says that they already ate um, which is obviously the right thing to do but um, that's when Edward says like you know can I drive Bella home tonight and Bella winks and he's shook that she winks <laughs> so funny to me
1: honestly I'm kind of shook that. She, I mean I know that she winks she, she does it in Twilight so I know it happened but I was shook in Twilight and I'm still shook now Bella's
0: not the winking type
1: no. I don't. I don't think she I she strikes me as the kind of person who cannot wink.
0: I feel like that's me. Like
1: Like Bella, you're just blinking. I don't know <laughs> what you think you're doing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so they obviously leave and then um Bella goes through her whole charade of I'm not hungry. And yes I know it's pronounced charade. I think charade's funnier, so that's what I say um so they go into the restaurant and it's interesting viewing the hostess and the waitress from his point of view because we obviously knew it was going on in Twilight but now we get their thoughts and it's kind of like yikes
1: <laughs> also i just want to say that i think it's funny reading it you know from edward's point of view and knowing that he loves bella and that it's fine but i also just kind of want to put it out there that this is the life of like a lot of women knowing that people are staring at them, that men are, like, leering at them, and sometimes even vocalizing this. And I gotta say, like, it's commendable that he just kind of jokes it off and, like, doesn't even pay any attention to it. I feel like it would be so upsetting to be able to read everyone's minds and knowing all the disgusting things that people are thinking about you. I don't know, it just kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies thinking about it.
0: Yes. Oh my God. Yes. And you know what I just realized just at this moment when you were talking? Like, it's weird because Edward never has to, like, he is beautiful objectively. So he never has to hear someone like thinking about how he's ugly. Like, if he was a normal person, like, obviously, even if you're not like quote unquote ugly, you're just not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Some people are going to think your outfit's stupid or that your face looks weird, and they're going to think it and you're going to hear it. Like, he already doesn't have self-esteem. Can you imagine? Oh my god, it'd be horrible. Did you see the Pikachu face I was making when you said that? It was like I, I was thinking about it being
1: me. Like, how would I take it? Because I, I cannot take any constructive criticism. I tried. I try to take it, but every time we did that in creative writing class, I wanted to pretend that I had mono. I didn't want to go. <laughs>
0: same like i would have no self esteem i'd probably have to like be a hermit honestly because i don't think like my mental health could take it no
1: no no i i would i would not be able to like he he is gosh darn lucky he is a hottie for real
0: <sighs> so the hostess is being kind of rude about bella and like she thinks he can't be with her so she's like she, she must be his sister or cousin, so she tries to put them at that, like, giant table, and then Edward slips her, doesn't he say it's a $100 bill? I think it's a 50 Oh, a 50 yeah, okay. Um, so then she takes him to the the more private booth.
1: I do gotta say, though, I do gotta say, as someone who's worked food service for so long, and I have the power to kind of do whatever I want, With customers to an extent, to an extent. If I had the power to like seat someone in a bad table because I wanted their date to go bad, I might. Like, if there's a cute guy in line, I'll make my scoops big. I'll make sure that I load that bowl up big. Like, I'll go out of my way to do it. Like, if I'm trying to make a point, I have the authority to do so, and I have the control to do that. Or if someone's being a dick, I'll give them a small scoop of rice. You know what? They haven't earned a big scoop. So all I'm saying is that, like, I kind of admire, like, mm, this table will do. Yeah, I'll, I'll put them there. I Like, I, that would be me. I would do that.
0: <laughs> I love that so much. Wow, I never thought about that, like, giving small scoops to someone being an asshole. Like, if there's people not wearing their masks correctly, do you do that? Because I would, 100%.
1: Um. Either we tell them they have to wear their mask correctly or we tell them they have to leave.
0: Hell yeah.
1: And I also just want to put this out there. Um, I don't know if this is the same across all fast food restaurants, but at places like Chipotle where the portion sizes and the food and like, like it's kind of all up to the people or it's the kind of place where you can get a free meal every once in a while. Like they're not big about or they're not strict about it, I guess, just be fucking nice. Like go out of your way to just be nice and you will get free things. I promise you that. One guy told me that he liked my eyeliner one day and I gave him his food for free because I could. I At Chipotle, they encourage us to give people free food. As an incentive for them to come back. Like you're supposed to build a warm culture. And I'm sure there's other places like that out there. So all you got to do is be nice. If you're a regular, try and build a relationship with just one or two, maybe three of the workers. And I promise you it will pay off. I promise you. You will feel better about yourself. The, the experience will be better for both parties. And you might get free food out of it. So why not?
0: I love that. What great advice. hmm while we're on the subject, too, I was going to ask you, um, obviously, the waitress ends up trying to give Edward her number later on, but he doesn't even, like, open the check. He just, like, puts money in it without looking at it to spare her feelings. Have you ever given your number to wait staff or service staff or somebody like that?
1: I don't know. No, no. I was nodding my head while you were beginning the story, and then I immediately shook my head no. I think it's completely different being a customer doing it to a person at their job than to someone at their job to a customer. I have one time given my number to a customer and he never texted me and I've never done it again. But I feel like it's kind of inappropriate to be doing that to wait staff. I just, I don't know. I, a lot of times the wait staff are being nice to you because it's their job and they might not, they're not flirting with you because, I mean, sometimes I am because I want to, but like there was this girl that I used to work with who worked at Old Chicago and the amount of times that she would share photos of receipts that were given to her where the tip was just someone's phone number like shit like that I cannot stand sure tip them 80% and be an amazing customer build a great relationship and then give the phone number that that's fine with me but like if you're trying to pay for service with your Flirtations, like I I don't know. I just don't really feel good about it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Well, anyways, I was just curious. Um so yeah, we were in this conversation that Bella and Edward were about to have. So I guess what are your general thoughts on this conversation from Edward's point of view? Do you have any different thoughts on it from Twilight or how do you feel about it?
1: I'd say I'd say neutral i it definitely is more insightful into um Edward's character and i also feel like there are a lot of examples in the conversation where he's starting to kind of get her a little more like the things that he's predicting are actually true even though he doesn't know he's he thinks like oh she, she answered this i wonder if maybe it has something to do with this and it is that is actually the case so i feel like with this conversation you're starting to see, he's starting to get her a little bit more, which is cool. Like, he's paying attention and getting to know her and actually literally getting to know her, and I love that.
0: Yeah, I do too. I think it's kind of sweet, this whole
1: scene. It is It is kind of like their first date, like a, like a human-y kind of a date, and it's just nice, it's cute.
0: It is, and I love a good Italian restaurant.
1: And it literally has her name in it, which I don't know if that was symbolism at all, but...
0: If it is, it's very heavy handed, but I feel like there might actually be, now i got to look this up because I don't want to be talking out of my ass, but I think there might actually be like a restaurant called that in Port Angeles. So maybe that's why.
1: It's definitely true. Uh, or not, not that I know that that's definitely true, but I've been listening to the Office Ladies podcast a lot this past month. And um, they they talk about like flyers that you can see in the background of scenes that say like oh Cecil's diner and it has a phone number and there actually is a Cecil's diner in Scranton Pennsylvania and that is their phone number like like it wouldn't surprise me if something like that was actually true in the
0: book yeah um yeah it looks like it is real in Port Angeles yeah so that's probably why she called it that so does not have, too, not too heavy-handed, so that's good. <laughs> does it have any reviews
1: of their mushroom ravioli?
0: You know, I I'll have to look into that. It has good reviews on TripAdvisor. Four yeah. out of five stars on um, 692 reviews. Nice, not bad at all. Love that for them. If we ever go there, we gonna hit up La Bella Italia. You know, actually it's just called Bella Italia, so she added the law. But listen up, Bella Italia, get your gluten-free pasta ready. And your regular pasta ready, because we're
1: And you get that machine that cranks out the Parmesan cheese. I know that Emily can't have some, unless, of course, she takes the Lactaid. But I'm that bitch who's like, I'll tell you when to stop. Why'd you
0: stop? I didn't say stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um... So this conversation kind of starts out with Edward being shook that he dazzles Bella. He's like, he he describes it as flying, doesn't he? Oh, no, he says, My silent heart swelled with a hope more intense than I can ever remember having felt before.
1: He is traumatic, and sometimes it's cute. I'll
0: admit it. <laughs> yeah. At a very occasionally.
1: I, you know, when he's not being fucking creepy, when he... <laughs> When he's not squishing bugs in her room at night while she sleeps, the sweetness is there.
0: It is. It is. Off topic, but for all my Gleeks out there, I got some. I got some flack for talking shit on being a Gleek a couple episodes ago. Um. So you know what? You know what? I am a proud geek, even though that show's fucking trash. <laughs> Who'd you get flack from? Remi. You know mean? <laughs> she was like, you need to put some respect on the Gleek name. I was like, you know what? That's true. <laughs> So here's me doing that, Remy, but I bring it up because for some reason this whole thing just reminds me of Breadsticks, which is this restaurant that they go to all the time in the show, and it's, like, ridiculous, but there's this one episode called Silly Love Songs where there's, like, a Valentine's party at Breadsticks, and it's cute, so I'm just thinking about it. I love that. Yeah. I would go there if I could.
1: <laughs> Speaking of Valentine's Day, that's in... um five days? Yeah, yeah, well, by the time they're hearing this, it'll have been a couple of days ago, right? Yeah, you're right. it yeah. was gonna be on a Sunday. Um, Got any fun uh, Valentine's Day traditions that you do?
0: No, I fucking hate Valentine's Day. It's like made-up candy, or made-up holiday to sell candy. It's fucking bullshit.
1: The tradition that I always do, if I can, I haven't been able to the past several years, and I probably won't be able to this year either, but I always try to go to Walgreens on February 15th at like 6am or as very close to when they open to try and get that discount candy.
0: Yeah, that's smart.
1: Have you ever bought, I I mean, I, this is just, sorry to interrupt you, but I love those boxes of chocolates with the disgusting flavors in them. I know that they, I know that a lot of people don't, but I just love the opulence of it. It just seems so fancy to me.
0: It feels very like Elle Woods in Legally Blonde, which is like one of my top favorite movies when she's like eating it and then she chucks it at the TV.
1: Mm-hmm. I, it makes me feel fancy. And it's like if I buy it on the 15th, I'm literally just buying it for the candy. Like if I buy it any time before, I feel like I'm opening up the conversation with the Walgreens cashier and I'm like if I buy it on the 15th there's no question why I'm buying it I'm buying it straight for the candy it's like when I went to the liquor store because I just wanted champagne and I bought two bottles of champagne and the guy was like oh what's the occasion and I was embarrassed that the occasion was I just wanted to drink champagne but I told him it was my anniversary <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember that that's hilarious you got to own it girl just tell him that you love champagne um two things first of all we have done Valentine's day celebrations with our friends in the past which have been fun so i want to give a little shout out to those um i would say my normal valentine's day tradition is just reenacting that one scene specific scene in harry potter and chamber of secrets where harry says and i quote i'll be in my room making no noise and pretending i don't exist I'm astral projecting out of my body. In a bad way. (laughs) Straight to hell. (laughs) So, now that you know what I was up to a couple days ago, listeners, moving on. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, a lot of this is repetitive from Twilight, like we've already said. Um, It is heartbreaking to me that when Edward offers. Bella his jacket he's like so sad that he can't it's not warm because she's cold and I'm like oh
1: this part is just super super funny to me because I'm thinking back to what was happening during this time in Twilight and Bella makes a note in her head that she is putting on a cold jacket she says it that the jacket is cold and the only thing that she wants to talk about is that it smells good and that she's like taking a bunch of secret sniffs which aren't even fucking secret as we can see in Midnight Sun he clearly sees that she's doing it I don't know if he realizes that she's deeply inhaling for the smell but I'm like I know that he feels so bad but I just want to tell him Edward she does not care she notices it and it means nothing to her
0: I know, it's another one of those times where it's like, if you guys would just talk to each other, you would know that it's fine.
1: It's true. Communication is key, unless you're hiding your supernatural powers from your secret girlfriend. When I say secret girlfriend, I mean that she's a secret because she doesn't know yet that she's his girlfriend.
0: Not for long. All shall be revealed soon.
1: It's true. I kind of forgot that in the next chapter, that's like when kind of the truth comes out because again I was thinking in the Twilight movie it's kind of in the meadow scene when you get the full picture of everything so when the chapter ended I was like oh right like the next chapter is where the big stuff happens
0: yeah we'll get to that in a little bit yeah also I want to say if you guys are hearing feedback right now I'm sorry my heat has been running a lot it's like really cold and I heard this weekend they're like I was reading the weather this morning and they were like make sure your pipes are good to go because it's going to be fucking cold. So sorry about that. If you hear that. (sighs) So um, Edward finds out that Bella has a new theory that she didn't come up with on her own about what he is. um, But first she has questions that she wants him to answer. And um, he's getting like really nervous about it because he's just like, what could she be thinking like what could her theory be but at the same time he's like well she's here so she probably doesn't know the truth because if she did like she wouldn't want to spend time with me um so Bella's questions they start off with um asking him why he was in Port Angeles and he refuses to respond and this is the part where Persephone and Hades first get brought up so Paige I feel like I should just let you pop off you want to you want to do so Sure. You say first get brought up, it's going to be brought up more. Oh, yeah, girlfriend. It's, like, going to be the whole fucking book. That's why I said you might as well just rename her Persephone. Not really. It's not that much, but he does bring it up a lot.
1: Well, okay. So I didn't really know that much about the story of Hades and Persephone. I always, I mean, I feel like maybe I read about it in a Tumblr post because I always had the vibe that I liked Persephone. And I also kind of liked Hades, but I couldn't remember why or what the what the reasoning was behind it. So I decided to do some research into the story. And I do gotta say that there was a lot of basically the same story, but just with some minor changes here and there. So I'm not exactly sure what the like canon Hades and Persephone story is, but basically the gist of it is that. Hades is like I'm lonely I need a girlfriend slash wife and he sees this beautiful girl Persephone picking flowers and he's like she's the girl for me and in some stories it says that he got permission quote unquote he got permission from Zeus who is Persephone's father to kidnap her or he just did it either way he kidnaps her which, how do you, how as a father you give someone permission to kidnap your daughter? I don't know. But he takes her down to the underworld, and and she basically kind of, like, falls in love with him. I, in some stories it said, didn't really say that, but in other stories it did say that she she did grow to love him, and that Hades treated her as an equal, that he listened to her, and the things that she wanted, and, like, she basically ruled as like the queen of the underworld her throne was right next to his she had as basically just as much say as hades and so they're they're doing their own thing having fun in the underworld but uh persephone's mother who let me pull up her name really quick i can't remember what it is um it starts with a d oh it says demeter i don't know if it's demeter or Dem- Demeter Demeter.
0: I think it's Demeter, I don't remember.
1: Yeah. Um so Demeter is her mother and she loves Persephone. Her she loves her daughter, you know, they have a really great bond. So when Persephone is taken, Demeter's like nothing is going to grow on this land until I find her. Everything is going to be dead. I'm not nothing there's nothing to be harvested. So basically the lands grow barren and there's nothing to harvest, people start starving. And Zeus is like, shit, all these people are upset. Demeter's like, I'm not growing anything. We're not going to harvest anything until Persephone gets is brought back wherever she is. So Zeus is like, all right, Hades, you got to bring Persephone back. And this is where, this is the key part that I've read different accounts of. Hades decides to give Persephone a pomegranate to eat, obviously. And in some of the accounts, Persephone decides to eat it herself and in other accounts he puts the pomegranate in her mouth himself so i'm not quite sure which story is more accurate i i kind of i've been leaning towards that she decides to eat it because the whole rule about the underworld is if you eat food from the underworld you are basically doomed to be there forever if you eat food in the underworld you're, you're stuck there and she apparently knows this fact and decides to eat the fruit anyways. And that means that she has basically chosen to stay in the underworld with Hades. And they're like, when, what's his name? Our Ar- Ar- Armies, the guy, the little messenger guy with the wings. <laughs> I don't know. When that guy comes down to get Persephone, they're like, sorry, she can't. She's, she's, she's staying down here. She the pomegranate. They decide to strike up this deal with Demeter where Persephone spends six months in the underworld with Hades because she ate six pomegranate seeds. And then for another six months, she's in the real world, basically, with her mother. And it's supposed to symbolize basically the coming of spring, because when Persephone comes back, that's when the land becomes replenished again there's harvest to be had and then when she goes back in the underworld that's when the land sort of decays and goes into barrenness and it's like sort of the coming of winter and fall and so basically persephone is supposed to symbolize fertility ha- harvesting um and also sort of has an underworld dark sort of quality but she's also like the symbol of love in a way and like equality of women in power and men in power like a lot of things I read is that she's very highly perceived like a lot of people really like her and pomegranates are supposed to symbolize they're sort of an aphrodisiac they go hand in hand with that they sort of symbolize fertility and marriage and all of that because they're kind of tied in with the the storytelling of the pomegranate tied her to Hades basically so all of that information just is freaking perfect. It is perfect. Okay, I'm gonna say, Stephanie, you nailed this one. You nailed it. You had me captivated. I was researching it, and I'm like, yep, that's exactly what I'm reading right now, because Edward is, he feels so fucking bad he feels so bad that you know that he's basically dooming her to this life in the underworld with him the monster the person who's in charge of the dead i mean he's not hades but like he's a he's equating himself basically to someone who is associated with death like that and if edward knew a little bit about the story he would know persephone i mean in my the way that i interpreted it persephone wasn't doomed she chose that she chose to eat those seeds and she chose to be with him because she liked what he was offering and she was having a good time with him and she took that power and she was like yep i'm fine with it and so you know she does have sort of like the sort of like a sexy element to it too you know but i i think it's i think it's a good testament to like yeah edward you can feel sad about yourself and feel bad about yourself but little do you know Bella is choosing this life just as much as you don't want her to but you also do want her to like it just shows Edward feeling torn but Bella being like hey babe let me stitch you right back on up
0: (laughs) just as Stephanie Meyer nailed it you nailed it like that was exactly what I think as well also putting this out into the universe basically claiming it (laughs) I mean I'm sure other people have done this too but I have really wanted to do burlesque for a while. Obviously with the global pandemic going on, like I don't really think now's the best time. Like I'd rather do it when I feel safe, you know, to learn and do the classes and everything. However, while you were talking, I was like, that will definitely be my stage name. Persephone baby, and I'm gonna dance to Kesha.
1: <laughs> and you know what? You should hold a freaking pomegranate. Incorporate pomegranate into your dance
0: routine. That would be amazing. Actually, you know what I have really wanted to do a burlesque routine to for a while. You probably won't care, Paige, because you're not a huge fan of her, but um, Swifties will know. Taylor Swift's song "Look What You Made Me Do" would kick ass as a burlesque routine, especially if my name was Persephone. I'm just saying.
1: I I have no, I have no, I have nothing to say because I don't know about that
0: song, but it sounds perfect. I love it. If you heard it, you'd probably recognize it. It was like big when it first came out I'll send it to you later but anyways um yeah I have to admit I also really like this I was kind of making fun of it earlier because he gets real heavy-handed with it later on but it's really well aligned with kind of their story
1: do you know anything else about the Hades Persephone storyline that I didn't bring up or do you have anything else to add to it that I
0: no, I don't think so. You did a great job researching. That's I'm really glad you did because I just did not. Because <laughs> with Greek mythology, I feel like, you know, I'm just kind of like, oh, I vaguely know about that because I learned about it in college, you know. Um, So I had actually forgotten about the spring and the winter thing. But that's really cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know if it's a case of Stockholm Syndrome or if she really did like him. I like to think that she did like him. Because he seemed okay to me. I mean, he did kidnap her, but I kind yeah. of blame Zeus on that because Zeus is a dick.
0: Agreed. Yeah, I, I'm choosing to interpret it that way as well. Also, whenever you say Hades, I just picture the one from Hercules, who's like a comedic character almost, even though he's the villain, so it like kind of makes me laugh. I love him. Okay, so after Edward has this um, kind of like comparison- of himself to Hades and Bella to Persephone. Bella keeps asking questions. They go over the mind reading thing, and um, Bella thanks him for saving her life twice now. Um, and she reaches out to touch his hand, and he tries to like pull it away, which is probably like I'm honestly like really impressed with Bella that she kept going for it because I probably would have like felt really rejected and just like not done anything, but she still. Like, grabs his hand and says, thank you. Which
1: is kind of sweet. Yeah, it is sweet. It made me think, because he describes the feeling of, like, even... she's She doesn't even hold his hand. She just kind of, like, brushes against it. And the way that he describes it, it's such... It's so cute, and he loves it so much. It reminds me of the first time that I ever held my middle school boyfriend's hand. It, like, made my heart flutter. And, like, I was a child then. I can't even imagine going... 113 years not holding a girl's hand and and it finally happening and I'm like oh my gosh this is what all the Taylor Swift songs are about
0: for real also just as I have made clear and as Paige dragged me through the mud about a couple episodes ago I have not dated for a while partially because of the pandemic, but also before that. And so I'm at the point where I'm like, if someone touched my big toe, I would probably feel the same way that Edward feels right now. Look, there are
1: a lot, and I am saying a lot of people on the internet who would love to touch your big toe. Just reach out, put some feet pics out there, see who's biting.
0: No, they got to pay. I'm not going to put the feet pics out for free. You got to pay for that. Put,
1: like, the black sensor bar over it, like it's nipples or something. <laughs> people do that. I have literally seen
0: people doing that.
1: I, yeah, I don't, I don't doubt it.
0: However, that being said, if you're listening to this and you're interested in feet pics, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't, I try to keep it serious. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I, I'm sorry. I will not be sending feet pics yet. If I lose my job, maybe, maybe we'll talk.
1: Here's just a, this is probably going to gross you out, but um, I have a pair of socks that have shrimp on them and they say, um, big shrimping. And I posted a photo of them when I bought them. And this guy that I was friends with on Snapchat from Tumblr messaged me and he was like, well, that's kind of ironic. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, it says shrimping. And I was like, I don't know what that is. And he was like, shrimping is when you suck on someone's toes. Like that's what it's called. And I was like, I bought these socks at Target. What? <laughs>
0: <laughs> to be fair, I also didn't know that. I hope the cashier did, though, and was judging you.
1: <laughs> I I hope no one knows that information. That is just
0: shocking. <laughs> There's a name for everything out there, man. Um. So Edward ends up admitting to Bella that he followed her to Port Angeles. And then he admits that... You know, because Bella tries to say, like, well, maybe, like, I was supposed to just die the first time with the van, and you've been fighting fate ever since. And he's like, actually, the first time you were supposed to die is when we first met. And Bella kind of has a moment where she, her heartbeat does go up, but she doesn't, like, obviously react. She's okay with it. She moves on. And he's just, like, very surprised by that, obviously. Um, And that surprise only continues as this conversation goes on and they talk about what almost just happened to bella and edward admits again he's being i like i do like that he's being so truthful he admits that it was really hard for him to like take bella away and not kill them um and he says for the second time tonight i confessed to an intended murder so i mean you can say a lot of things about Edward, but he is definitely being truthful here. That's true.
1: And I do remember in this part in Twilight, I was kind of freaking out that, like, I'm on my date. I'm, I'm on a first date with my crush. And he just admitted that, like, he would kill someone. And I'm like, oh, shit. What have I gotten myself into? You're probably wondering how I ended up here. <laughs> yeah. Like, I do appreciate that he's being honest, but I'm like, would any... I know that Bella is the local monster fucker, but like, would, would anyone else be shocked about this? Because I feel like I would be shocked.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, obviously it's impossible to pre- predict what I would do. Well, no, this, this isn't going to make any sense. Because I was going to say, I would probably just try and justify it away with being like, He just meant he was going to try and beat them up all at once. But that like is assuming that this guy's human. And I, if I'm Bella here, I know that he's not. So there's really no justifying it. I was trying, I was trying to devil's advocate my way out of there, but I couldn't. I,
1: we just, I, I mean, Edward mentioned this, mentions, mentions this on page. What is it? 180. Oh, 190. Mm -hmm. Um, When he admits that he followed her to Port Angeles and all of this. And then it says, I watched her waiting. She smiled wider again. Her clear, dark eyes seemed deeper than ever. I just admitted to stalking her and she was smiling.
0: I feel like even Edward is like, what the fuck? Yes. Still, like, remember that time a few chapters ago where he was like, She acts human. She smells kind of human. But what if she's something else?
1: Yeah, what if it turns out that Bella is the real sociopath here and that she's actually a mass murderer? And then Edward is like, actually, you're not my type. (laughs) I know it's not true because I've read Twilight, but (laughs) just a fun twist.
0: Yeah, I think Bella just really is Jones and for that monster dick. I can relate. I can't. I've never met a monster, but.
1: I'm like, that's a new bit of information.
0: <laughs> but if I had, wow. although I have already made abundantly clear that I feel like I had a mini sexual awakening. Why am I even calling it mini? It was a real sexual awakening in, well, it must have been like freshman or sophomore year of high school when Void Styles was introduced as a villain on Teen Wolf. I don't, he's not like the traditional. Definition of a monster, because he's in a human body, but a bitch would still to this day, 100%.
1: He's got those eye bags that just show, I've stayed up for 72 hours. Who knows what I was thinking about? Who knows what I was doing? Probably wasn't anything good.
0: 100%. Those eye bags, and he's like a thousand years old. I mean, what's hotter than a thousand-year-old dick? Well, with all that being said, I understand Bella's point of view is all I'm saying. (laughs) Um, We're pretty much at the end of the chapter at this point. Um, Bella, or the waitress, comes and tries to give Edward her number like we discussed before. And then they're walking to the car and that's kind of when Edward has that realization that he's not being perceived as dangerous because of Bella because he's, you know, trying so hard to be, like, human and relatable and, like, approachable for her. And then they get into the car, and um, he kind of almost, like, this feels, like, very, like, Hosier, take me to church, because he thinks that, like, he has a thought to himself where he's, like, the burning in his throat, which is his thirst for her blood. Um, he calls it a sacrifice, a burnt offering, because um, because she is doing that, it means that she's okay and she's alive, which is obviously what he's given up everything to have happen. So they, the chapter ends with him turning to her and saying, now it's your turn for her to share her theories of what he is. So did you have any notes that we didn't go over?
1: I did have one, and it's just, Really funny to me. Um, so, on page 183, that's when they're, I don't think they've started to eat yet, but the, the vulgar waitress has come and spoken with them. Um, and before I even point out the line that I'm going to, do you remember when you were a kid? and, like, older kids seemed so mature and smart and cool, but then you became an older kid, and you're like, what the fuck was I looking at? Like, I am none of those things. Okay, in Twilight, I remember that the waitress was described as, like, being older and, like, beautiful and, like, cool and all of that jazz like a little flustered that edward was just so hot but like i got the impression that she was like really hot and like like just like an older cool gal but then you see her freaking thoughts on page 183 and it's <laughs> so this is edward reading her thoughts whoa um your server will be right out he can't be real oh i guess this is the hostess yeah Okay, well, it still applies. I think the hostess was also an older person who was cool. Um, your server will be right out. He can't be real. Maybe she'll disappear. Maybe I'll write my number on his plate with marinara. <laughs> she wandered away, listening silently to the side. And I'm just like, sis, what? <laughs> what? I no. That makes no sense. But I, I, I love the, I love the creativity. I love that you think that this is a good idea. You're just so smitten that it's like maybe maybe I'll write my number and sauce on his plate. I don't know. I I just love it that like we actually see that she's just she's a crumbling mess in real life. Even though I thought she was super cool in Twilight
0: yes definitely my first thought when i read that was i was like it'd be hard to write in marinara you'd need like a pretty big plate like why wouldn't you use something thinner like um, mustard ketchup barbecue sauce they might they might not have barbecue sauce on hand but you know
1: i i like the creativity in that like they write like happy birthday and like a chocolate kind of a thing like on cake you know so
0: (laughs) you could have gotten away with it (laughs) Anyways, um, okay. So for next week, we are just reading chapter 10, which is called Theory. Um, We kind of already talked about what you think is coming for the next chapter, but do you want to make any additional predictions?
1: I'm just excited to see Edward straight up lose his fucking mind coming clean. Like, I can't really remember what his disposition was like in Twilight like I feel like he was just cool and calm like he usually is in Twilight but I could see in Midnight Sun him his brain is like a dumpster fire of like oh my god Bella knows everything oh my god I'm telling her everything what is my family gonna think oh no just screaming internally
0: yeah what do you think his family is gonna react like if we get to see that in the next chapter or two
1: Well, I suspect that Alice may inform everyone because I feel like she'll know. Um, There's obviously going to be people who don't like it, i.e. Rosalie. I feel like Emmett might not necessarily not like it, but he might just be like, why? Like, what was the point? (laughs) Um, Jasper might be the same way. I think that Carlisle, Esme, and Alice are going to be pro. Like, they always have been. But I think it's going to be very loudly like, what the fuck have you done from Rosalie?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. Another episode down. It's crazy. we just just keepin', keeping it rolling. So you know the drill. We're on social media. Come follow us. Come hang out. Come chat. Come send us a DM. We love to hear from you um our twitter is taft pod t-a-f-t pod instagram and tumblr is tuesdays are for twilight you can email us at tuesdays are for twilight at gmail.com um and one thing that i just want to remind you guys of if you are able to on the um podcast service that you listen to for example apple podcasts or google if you can rate us or even just subscribe which is an option on all the podcast things that we're on i believe Um, that is really helpful to us. Like the ratings will really help us get seen by more people and the subscribing rate helps too. So, you know, anything you can do, throw us a bone, we would love that. And yeah, hope you're having a good day wherever you are and hope you're staying safe. Paige, you got anything to add?
1: I know that you all are doing this and I'm really, I'm really proud of you, but I just want to say a message from Queen rihanna shine bright like a diamond
0: we'll see you next week for chapter 10 of midnight sun bye guys
1: bye our amazing intro and outro music was performed by danny plowman and produced by alberto beltran you can follow danny at danimal six and that's six the word not six the number danimal six underscore on instagram